It's the last Thursday of the month, so we discuss the books that we have read this month and what are the main takeaways. Condensed main takeaways so that they can be of value for you and maybe give you either the ideas or uh, encourage you to read the books. So today we have a lineup of four. We're going to start with Mark because at some point he'll need to leave. So Mark, the best book you read this month and the main takeaways. So I would say it's The Tyranny of Need by Peter Schwartz. I think uh, this should have wider circulation. It is a complete philosophical takedown of the ethics of altruism for all those out there who think altruism is just about being kind to your neighbor, being generous to your neighbor. This shows you exactly why that is not the case. It's, it's not just the dark side of altruism, it's altruism as it is and as it is actually practiced in the real world. You read this, it'll give you intellectual ammunition against the, uh, the promoters of altruism. Uh, I won't go any further than that because Peter does a great job at, at really um, highlighting his topic and, and making you understand it from lots of different angles. So I bought this book from Ocon. So this book is a new version of the book he wrote recently on selfishness. And people might say, well, I know these things. Why do I need to read it? Well, you need to read it because Peter is, is using different examples and he has a way to convey the same point that you say, oh, now I get it. Now it, uh, now it clicks. So the first book that uh, is a suggestion then is The Tyranny of Need from Peter Schwartz. So, Amanda, how has August been book-wise for you? I actually read a book. You write a book? No, I read a book. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> this, is, this is serious. Um, I, I haven't read a book, like, start to finish in years. Years. I'm surprised to hear that. Really? Uh, me too. I used to read all the time, um, but I've had a really hard time just like focusing lately. So um, this is amazing that I read an entire book. So I'm super excited. Um, Which is the one? Talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell. It was awesome. Okay. What is it about and what are your main takeaways? Yeah. So Malcolm Gladwell does is the thing that he does, which is a, he weaves this amazing, you know, story together. He he starts by talking about uh, the Sandra Bland uh, case where a woman is pulled over. And anyway, you can look into it. Uh, what he said is like, I wanted to know why this happened, like what was going on. And then he goes on these like rabbit holes of thinking about why people um, uh, are people lying? How do they, how do you know if they're lying or not? Do they tell the truth? How people like, what is crime? Like how that works, how people are coupled off into the coupled to the situation that they're in. I'll just give you one like really interesting hi um, highlight from the book is that if you, um, if you looked at crime, um, people often think, oh, there's a bad neighborhood or something. But if you really got drilled down into the, the statistics of it, it actually comes down to a block. Like there's one block in the neighborhood where all the crime occurs. And then the next block is fine. Like nothing occurs there. And um, they did this, this study of like, well, what would happen if you shut down? Like there was this triangle of prostitution. And what would happen if you shut that down? You'd think, oh, the prostitutes, they'll just go over to the next place. Right. And and. But it turns out, no, people are very coupled to the exact like the locations that they're in. And that's something that's really important to understand about um, about human nature. Anyway, so many cool insights about um, 
you know, FBI interrogation techniques, um, crime. Uh, so it's else? mostly then oh, non-fiction, yeah. but with interesting mm-hmm. stories. Yeah, but he puts it all together about how to, you know, that there's this problem he recognizes and uh, that most people have is just, we don't know how to talk to strangers. We don't know how to, to assess them, whether they're telling the truth, whether they're, they're lying, um, you know, what, just what their personality is like the Amanda Knox case, he goes into, into that and how she just was kind of a, a strange person. And that ended up like, she was mismatched for like what, you know, people thought you should act a certain way if your roommate is killed and she's just a weird person that acts in a different way and that, that what the consequences to that are and um, how bad people are judging each other. So fascinating. Thank and you. He also did, Ma- did, did Malcolm Gladwell also write Outliers and Blink? Yeah, he did. So Outliers is a great book too. He's, he's, he's really an outside the box thinker. I think he's whether or not you agree with his conclusions, he's definitely somebody that anybody out there in the audience should acquaint themselves with because he has a pretty interesting perspective and you'll definitely get something out of it. For sure. You mentioned something, Amanda, you said that uh, it was also in something like an exercise in concentration or you, I don't remember exactly how you put it, that you read the whole book. Yes. And uh, last last week we had the... Uh, we, we discussed uh, Lisa Van Damme's project, uh, reading one chapter from Les Miserables every day. So now I start my day with that. It rarely takes more than five minutes, but it's an exercise in discipline. And plus, it's a better book than I, than I thought. So I watched the musical. I didn't like it. But the mere discipline of sitting and reading a book is quite, uh, is quite important, particularly if you find it interesting and looks like you did. So Amanda, in September, you'll have to have read at least one more book <laughs> because we need you to contribute to the monthly to the monthly booth club. Ah, uh, the pressure. <laughs> Don't have other books that I skimmed. So, right, Nikos, I have to just jump in and say I'm sure you didn't like Les Misérables, the Broadway musical. Nope, I didn't. Uh, I didn't like the. I never got into it. So I've watched it. I understand that some of the songs were nice, but I wasn't really into it. I need to really seriously reevaluate everything I know about you at this point, Nico. This I should say this could be a deal breaker. TBA, TBA, that's tough to hear. But but I appreciate. I'm kidding, but I, I appreciate what you said as well about taking a little bit of your time of the day to focus on something like reading and focus on you know what we do here at the Iron Center UK. I mean, people's time is their most precious thing, even more precious than money. I have a lot of very rich friends and clients who are out of time but they've got plenty of money. So your time is everything. And we thank you for spending a lot of it and spending some of us with here. And we're hopefully, you know, steering you guys towards some interesting resources. Thank you, Robert, for $5. He's reading Your Fully Charged Life, a radically simple approach to having endless energy and filling every day with Yay by Megan B. Murphy. That sounds positive and optimistic. Interesting, thank you. And Roland says he's been reading The Cave and the Light and listening to The Agony and the Ecstasy, a biographical novel of Michelangelo. Interesting if you guys have probably hit that one. Joey Spinoza has been reading Art of Shakespeare's Sonnets by Helen Vendler. Thank you for the, all these very generous donations as well and contributions. And Ashley Shrug, she says this is her first super chat. And Mark, she's given you specifically a little devil, but I think it's kind of one of the, it could be a flirty devil, I'm not sure. Could be a bit of a flirty devil. 
So we, we thank you all. We thank you all so much. And I'll just say, I mean, Amanda, like you, I feel like, unfortunately, I have moved further and further away from the real pleasure of reading and the pleasure of immersing yourself in words and savoring around them around and chewing on them. And so, you know, I'm getting back into them and, and, and trying, to, trying to encourage myself to really um, do more and more reading and selfish, not even something that's necessarily, you know, today or even that topical one of my first jobs was I was a I wanted to be I wanted to be a baker so I wanted to get up at the crack of dawn and bake bread basically and um, I did it for a few years they decided I was better in front of the counter than behind the counter it's a long story but one of the books that was big at the time was this book called Boulangerie and it's basically this very beautifully written history of the whole Paris French bakery tradition from like the early days up in the 50s and 60s and profiles a lot of the famous bakers and the methods I mean of course all the photography is just gorgeous and you know one one um, quote I'll read is quote a long stick with a crust so sharp it can cut the roof of your mouth and a crumb so light that it hardly exists the baguette is the resolution of desires the perfect balance of crumb and crust, of sweet and salty. It contains only wheat and water, yet it took a thousand years to bake. In three hours, it's gone, either eaten or too hard and too dry to be worth eating. It always leaves you satisfied, but never stuffed and eager, eager to eat another as soon as it hunger returns. So, you know, food that's, uh, a text that's so delicious, you feel like you've already eaten a meal, but just getting back into that, selfish pleasure of fun, um, um, satisfying reading, usually in the tub or on the can, but we'll bleep that out in post. What a beautiful ode to the baguettes. Now I want one. Who wrote that? This is, I mean, this is about 15 years old, but I mean, isn't that the great thing about those evil tech giants is that you can get this eBay, you know, or Amazon to you for, I think it's three or four, five dollars. This is cheap. This is a Boulangerie by Paul Rambelli. And, you know, it's it's a beautiful hardcover book, but I mean, some of the books I find most enjoyable are the older books, certainly 90s, 80s, 70s, and 60s, but this is a fun one um, to satisfy your carbonivorous needs. Good. Okay, my turn. So in August, I didn't read many books of interest to the general public because I did a lot of new idea live. So I had to read specialized books. So I'm going to focus only on two. The first was the book Atomic Habits. So this is one of the books by James Clear. One of the books that if you're into self-development, you hear it all the time. Uh, I read it and uh, here are my main takeaways. First, I would recommend it. There's a reason there's a hype around it. And it has some interesting takeaways. So the main takeaway is that the, that the book makes is that the quality of your life has to do with the quality of your habits. So you have good habits, you have good life. If your habit sucks, your life is not going to be really good. And it also says that you don't rise to the level of your goals, but you fall to the level of your habits. And I can definitely sympathize with that. For example, some years ago, uh, two summers ago, I had three summers ago, I had to write my book, the book on tribalism. It was a huge goal for me. It was a huge moment, but the whole summer was a torture for me. I hated the process. I hated, I didn't have the motivation to write. Why? Because I didn't have a system. I didn't have the right habits in terms of how one 
should, uh, should write. So the most crucial part of the book is not so much how you build habits. Actually, I found the second half of the book not that interesting, particularly there's too much emphasis on evolutionary psychology and how our mind develops and all that stuff. I found most important the first part, which says the importance of, uh, of, building, uh, of building habits. And another main takeaway is the importance of deep identity level change. So you know that the book is onto something when you find the theme that you find in other good self-development books. So in the book, Becoming a Pro, that I discussed in the previous month, a main point is that the moment you decide, now I'm a person who I take my work seriously, is a defining person. Because now you, sorry, defining moment, because now you're a different person. And the same happens in Atomic Habits. The author makes clear that it's very important that every time you do something, you cast a vote on what type of person you want to be. So for example, when I have work, am I the kind of person who goes on Twitter to procrastinate? If you do so, then know that you're a particular kind of person. You're a procrastinator. Do you want to be that person? Or when you don't feel like going to the gym, but you go to the gym because you're that type of person who goes to the gym, then you emphasize to yourself that this is who you are. This is what your identity is. I'm a healthy person. I'm a person who takes myself seriously. So the book also has important insights onto how to acquire self-esteem through the actions you do every way. So Atomic Habits, uh, also good on, uh, on audiobook. It has a good companion in terms of tracking your habits. It has a lot of uh, clues, a lot of tips on how to build a habit, how not to give up on a habit and how to give up on bad habits. Definitely recommend it. And even if you only stick on the first part, still the book is worth it. So that's my main uh, book for this month. So Mark, what is your second book? And then Mark will have to go because he has a strong uh, finish at uh, within five minutes. So uh, anybody who's heard that Aristotle is the philosopher, of course, along with Ayn Rand, <clears throat> and has tried to crack Aristotle, has probably come up against um, <clears throat> the, the, the difficulty of reading uh, Aristotle. So, so supposedly Aristotle didn't necessarily write his books. They were outlines by students and or notes from lectures. So reading Aristotle is a really dry experience. Of course, reading Plato isn't because Plato's works were polished pieces of literature. And so they go over much better. And probably one of the reasons Plato is so dominant in our culture today, as opposed to Aristotle. So you sort of can, you know, use a guide, somebody, somebody to take you through Aristotle in a much much more user-friendly way. And there's a book by Mortimer Adler, the great intellectual Mortimer Adler, who also wrote How to Read a Book, called Aristotle for Everybody, Difficult Thought Made Easy. So he basically goes through Aristotle's works and doesn't sum them up for you, but puts them in, in, in language that's understandable and, and enables you to see that Aristotle was really the everyman's philosopher and that, and that philosophy has practical applications to human life. Um, and you see where Rand probably got her, her, her premise that uh, philosophy is for everybody. It's for living, it's for being in this planet, it's for being on this earth, it's for being successful and happy and thriving on this earth. 
Aristotle was the first one to take us there and Rand took us to the finish line. So Mortimer Adler's Aristotle for Everybody's Good. I also have an honorable mention. I don't remember the author of the book, but it's called um, The Silence of the Girls. I'm reading the Iliad right now for the second time. And I like to read literature around that, um, that, that conflict. Um, there's a great book called The Song of Achilles, which is an amazing story of the relationship between Patroclus and Achilles. And The Silence of the Girls comes from Briseis's point of view, who was, who, was, um, who was captured by Achilles in the taking of one of the towns around Troy and became his favorite concubine. The story tells a very different story. It's a bit of the dark side. It's the woman's side, the, the women who became slaves and concubines to the Greeks who see the conflict from their point of view. It could be a little dark. But uh, and it and it, it throws a little shade on the heroes, but it's nonetheless sort of an interesting narrative take on on a myth that we all you know all refer to and have always referred to for thousands of years. So um, those are my my three books. Check them out. Um, I think you'll you'll get a great deal out of them. A very productive month, Mark. So thanks a lot for your uh, for your contributions. So. Uh, since Amanda and Jonathan, you don't have a second book, right? No, I do. <laughs> oh, you do? Okay. I've got, yeah, I've got two more if you want. So in my uh, skimming, <laughs> this is a perfect book for skimming. It's Edison's Encyclopedia of, uh, it's a handy encyclopedia of general inf information and a universal atlas. It says it's worth its weight in gold. I didn't weigh it, which I figured out was probably a mistake. I don't know how much it's worth. Um, <laughs> this was um, this was this version was published in 1911. I don't know when it actually you know came out originally. This thing is really fun, and it's written by Thomas Edison, who is awesome. It's got advice about just about everything. So here's one: how to destroy insects in the ear fascinating right how to destroy insects in your in ear the ear yeah submerge okay. your head in water like Edison <laughs> is that what it is already had written a christmas stocking stuffer little fun book even at that time like you know this is fascinating let's, let, let's hear how you destroy insects okay. in your ear because they do crawl in your ear Okay. Insects may be destroyed by pouring a spoonful of warm olive oil or camphorated oil into the ear overnight, retaining it there until the next morning by means of a piece of cotton wool, when it may be washed out with a little mild soap and water. Here's the information I didn't know I need. <laughs> I haven't heard about putting oil in your ear, but I've heard about putting a garlic in your ear if you have an ear infection. Now, don't try this at home. I'm not saying that it's an it's a, it's an advice. We hope we're not going to be demonetized. I've just heard that it's a like Greek grandma thing that I've heard at some at some point. Yeah. So anyway, there's also all sorts of interesting things: how to purify water in a cistern, how to get rid of black, how to destroy. No, how to disperse black ants. Um, it's like the weight of the atmosphere, the length of the of the the Great Wall of China. Um, I don't know. It just must have been he wanted to dump his dump all of the information of his mind into a into a little book that's worth its weight Very in gold. Cool. So, and it's perfect for me because I can pick it up and open to a random page, and be you know interested for a little bit of time. Um, that's it. It's yeah, a good that's bathroom, the it's a good Thomas. bathroom book. 
That's Actually, the Thomas Edison. Yeah, because uh, there's a question. Also, before Mark uh, Mark leaves, there's a question about uh, Mark. We're gonna go to the rest of the superstats. Uh, important question: Which translation are you using for the Iliad? Because there are many of them, and not are equally good. Um, I don't have the Iliad near me, so I can't tell you which translation it is. But it's thoroughly enjoyable. It's it's better than the first time I went through it. So whoever's translating it is far better. Okay, I tell you what, uh, at some point, Daniel, our producer, is going to figure it out with uh, Mark, and we're going to put it in the description of the, of the episode. Jonathan, have you got a second uh, book? Well, I, you know, we've got so much great active conversation on the Super Chat and from our members. We want to encourage everyone to become a member, certainly at the website at Admiral Center UK, or at the very least here on YouTube. It's really just a couple of bucks, a couple of pounds a month. Maria she mentioned that she bought Turning Pro on your recommendation, Nikos. So Good you turn choice. around to-, to, to It's the to best Turning book Pro. I've read in 2022. It's... She's, she's currently reading What You Need to Do to Have a Great Career by Larry Smith. Thank you for that. Thanks for being a, a member. Kira, uh, Kiana, excuse me, Pellegrino, said she just started reading Own Your Past Change, Own Your Past Change Your Future, by Dr. John Deloy, Delanoy. Thank you for that. Thank you for that contribution. Good job, I mean, Kiana. Good job. Kiana, thank you for that. And you know, I'll just say all of these super chats, you were the ones who were keeping this international conversation going. And we are all students of objectivism from literally all over the globe, with listeners and supporters from all over the globe, not just jolly old England, but you know, all around. So it's your every $10 and $5 at a time that's keeping uh, Rosie Ginsburg keeping this whole battleship growing and, and, and uh, surviving and thriving. So thank you for it. Maria is into baking. She said, you had me at bakery, Jonathan, right? I mean, it's um, not philosophical at all, but um, definitely pretty sensual and, and fun. Thank you, Christopher, for your uh, generous contributions as well. And, and Sam, with uh, Sam C, thank you for your super chat contribution. Robert is now a member. Thank you, Robert. He is now an official member of the Ayn Rand Center UK. Um, and, and Marilene points out, and we want to thank once again all the super chatters. Oriana Falacini. Falacci. Oriana Falacci. You, you take this one, Nikos. You can. Yeah. So Oriana Falacci is she's an Italian journalist with a very interesting uh, ideological trajectory. She was a war correspondent. So I'm glad that our audience uh, yes. knows him. She's a very she, interesting personality. Marilene is is it's a biography that she's saving for a flight to London in early September. Uh, Stefano wrote a bit, a bio of Montessori, which she also read, and that's high, highly recommended. And Marilyn, thank you for all that you do to keep, keep Iron Center UK thriving and growing every day. So we love having you part of our world. Good. Okay, so my second recommendation, uh, it's a book which is an, a nonfiction book. It's called Black Wave by Kim Gattas. Black Wave by Kim Gattas. The pitch for the book is very simple. If you want to understand the radical Islam from for the last 50 years, and if you had to read only one book, this is the book to read. You'll understand the Iranian revolution, you'll understand Saudi Arabia, and you're gonna learn so many things that you didn't know. I thought I kind of knew the Middle East politics, turns out I didn't. You'll understand Lebanon, you'll understand Pakistan. It's a very, very good book, well-written, uh, a lot of stories in it, so you're not going to get bored. And it's written by a person who genuinely feels the pain for 
the drama in that uh, in that area. So Black Wave by Kim Gattas. Again, if you have to read one book to understand the Middle Eastern radical Islam, that's the book Great. you should read. Great. Well, thank you. This, this we got a lot of great recommendations this time around. Great idea. Wait, I think Amanda is trying to oh, show us something. I got one more. Sure, get, hit us. Okay, this is the best love poems of the American people. Uh, Poetry, okay. boring. <laughs> oh, I'm yours. sorry. Was that me? Did I say that out loud? Uh, poetry, awesome. Oh, oh did cool. I say up yours out loud? Okay, so <laughs> this is this is um okay. One of the coolest things about it is, look, somebody else, other people have loved this book before. I find these things really interesting. It says to Ray with my best wishes to read during those wee quiet hours, um, twelve four fifty nine. So nineteen fifty nine, someone gifted it, and then Ray. Roy, maybe pass it on. It says, I pass this on to Lydia as she graduates in the hope that she too might find much pleasure in the pages. Very sweet, right? Um, and these really are great American poems. Um, there's a whole section about of love poems. Um, I could read you some, I don't know. It might be boring though, talking about love, who knows? <laughs> Inspiration. Um, <laughs> share one please <laughs> okay this share is a one. woman's last word i'll just read a couple of stanzas let's contend no more love strive nor weep i'll be as before love only sleep but so wild as words are i and thou in debate as birds are hawk on the bough be a god and hold me with a charm be a man and fold me with thine arm blah 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 it's good it's awesome what I found most inspiring is this idea that there used to be a time where people had quiet hours, as he said in the, for your quiet hours to read. That's something I'm jealous of. I wish I had uh, such hours to, 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 read, uh, to read poetry. But I rediscovered good poetry in the first days of the pandemic and in the first days of the lockdown in these very dark first days of the lockdown in 2020. So. Indeed, art is a refuge when things around are uncertain and uh, bleak. So I sympathize with uh, with Amanda and with the reading and the importance of poetry. Okay, so let's keep it short, as I keep saying, below 30 minutes, so victory. Okay, uh, upcoming shows, 10 p.m. UK time, Life on Earth with Robert Nasir on choosing happiness, a prerequisite to achieving it. I have to say, by the way, Robert is have, I love your early morning tweets. Er, uh, Robert has become, or maybe he already was, an early riser and he starts his day with something quite inspirational that he posts on Twitter. So uh, check it out and uh, it, can, it can be a nice boost to your day. Okay, friends, thank you very much. Let's keep this going with the books. I find it quite interesting. Apparently, the audience also enjoys it. Many thanks to our audience. Many thanks to our super chatters, our members. We appreciate it so much that you spend your time with us and also that you appreciate what we're doing. Thank you, everyone. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.